I'll say a word of thanks to uh, our elders for putting this uh, together today. Um, I also want to say that statement that Brad read on our behalf, uh, if you'd like a copy of that, uh, he can get that to you uh, electronically or on paper, uh, either one. I want to be very brief uh, today. I know it's already noon, um, but I just have four notes that I want to sound for us today on this topic before we finish. Holiness, help, healing, and hope. Uh, holiness, help, healing, and hope. First of all, uh, we need to think uh, in these matters uh, about holiness. Uh, let me urge you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. And let me read to you from verses 15 and 16. Peter writes, Like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Now this is particularly a word to Christians, to believers, to those, verse 15, who have been called by God. Called, Peter later puts it out of darkness, chapter 2, verse 9, and into God's marvelous light. So this is a word, verses 15 and 16, particularly to believers, like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves. Also, in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord, am holy. As the psalmist put it regarding God's people, Psalm 93, 5, holiness befits your house, O Lord. But the logic of verse 16 in particular, you shall be holy, for I am holy, that logic applies even to those who are not Christians. Be holy like God applies to all humankind because all humankind is made in the image of God. And therefore, all humankind should reflect that image. All humankind should be like God. All humankind should be holy as God is holy. And so believers and unbelievers today, God is calling us to be holy like him. And the issue before us today, abuse, uh, both sexual abuse and otherwise, is an issue of holiness, isn't it? And the call to holiness means for us that it is in no way appropriate ever to force yourself on someone sexually. You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, am holy. The call to holiness means that it's never appropriate to manipulate someone into sexual conduct. You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, am holy. It means that it's in no way appropriate to touch someone sexually who is not your spouse. You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, am holy. It's in no way appropriate to take advantage of children in any way. You shall be holy. For I, the Lord, am holy. Young people, holiness means that it is in no way appropriate for you to touch another person's private parts. Because you shall be holy as the Lord is holy. And it means also, holiness means that it is in no way appropriate to abuse someone else physically either or emotionally 
or in any other way. You shall be holy, God says to us, for I, the Lord, am holy. God calls us to holiness. The second note I want to sound today is the note of help. Help from Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. You can follow me there if you like. In Galatians 6, 2, the Lord, through the Apostle Paul, commands us who are believers in Christ to bear one another's burdens and, there, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. If you have been abused or if you are being abused or if you ever in the future are abused, it is the church's responsibility to help you with that burden, to bear that burden with you, to help you. It's our responsibility to help you bear the emotional toll uh, that the abuse will take upon you. It's our responsibility to help you in reporting to the authorities if need be. It's our responsibility as a church to help you get physical protection where that is needed. It's our responsibility as the church to help you face and deal appropriately with your abuser where that is appropriate. It's our responsibility as a church to help you by dealing rightly with your abuser ourselves as well. It's our responsibility to one another to bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. And when someone is abused, we mustn't fail to do this. We mustn't drop the ball, drop the burden, or slough it off. We mustn't fail to help. And let me say this uh, as well. If you are in regards to this issue of abuse, if you're this sort of person who's described in Galatians 6 verse 1, if you are caught in any trespass in this regard, we, the church, have an obligation to help you as well. You're not abandoned if you sin. Uh, we will not help you by abetting your sin or by minimizing your sin or by hiding your sin, but we do have a responsibility to help you confess your sin to the Lord and to uh, your victim or victims to the church and to the law where that is appropriate. We have a responsibility to help you with genuine repentance and praise God to help you to look to Christ who forgives sins that are repented of. We have a responsibility to help you to grow in Christ even after you have fallen hard. We have a responsibility, uh, Ephesians 4, to help you in reference to your former manner of life, lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. We have a responsibility to help those who find themselves enmeshed in this kind of trouble. And on both sides of the trouble, the church needs to be a place of help, a place where we bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. The church also needs to be a place of healing. 
But not only is there healing in the church, ultimately there is healing in the Lord Jesus. In Isaiah 61, uh, we looked at these verses some time ago. In Isaiah 61, uh, the first three verses of the chapter, there are some words written there by Isaiah, ultimately by the Holy Spirit, but written for the Lord Jesus. Think of this as a script uh, that is written by someone for the actor, uh, Jesus Christ. When he comes on the stage of history, these words were written for him. And this is what Jesus says, Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That's our Jesus. Praise God. Now, Jesus came to do those things in his earthly ministry. That's part of what is being described here. He came to earth to do these things, but he is also still doing these things today by his spirit through his written word. And particularly regarding abuse, I specifically call your attention to what he says there toward the end of verse one, that the Lord has sent him to bind up the brokenhearted. And then at the end of verse two, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, verse three, giving them a garland instead of ashes and so on. Healing is possible. Jesus does bind up broken Hearts. He does comfort mourning hearts. He does give garlands instead of ashes. Look to him for these things if you have suffered in these ways. Look to him in his word and let him heal you, broken and bruised friend, broken and bruised sister or brother. And let me say to all of us, uh, Jesus not only does this healing by his spirit through his written word, but he also does this Isaiah 61 healing by his spirit through his people, through our love and compassion for those who have been harmed, through our bearing of their burdens, through our pouring the oil of his word into their wounds. So not only... Does holiness befit God's house, God's people, but so does healing. Let's be a house of healing, healing for victims of abuse, healing for people with other sorts of wounds as well. And, you know, if we are a healing for people, a place of healing for people with all sorts of wounds, then perhaps it will be just a little bit easier for those who have been hurt by abuse to be open about what has happened and receive the help that we might be able to give them. The spirit of the Lord God is upon Jesus to bind up the broken hearted. Praise the Lord. Finally, holiness, help, healing and hope. Hope. 
There is hope in Christ. Let me say, first of all, there's hope for the guilty. We read it already, didn't we? There's hope for the guilty. First John chapter one, verses seven through nine. If we walk in the light as he, God himself, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins or verse seven, if we come out into the light about our sins, there is forgiveness. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from them all. Now, yes, if we come out into the open with certain kinds of sins, particularly the sorts of sins that we're talking about today, there will often be earthly penalties and earthly discipline for those acts of abuse. Some of it very difficult many times. Some things in life may never be the same if you have committed certain kinds of sins, certain kinds of crimes. But those certain things in this life will never be the same, perhaps, though there is earthly difficulty that comes to us because of our sin. There is also heavenly forgiveness if you come out into the light, if you confess your sin and repent. If we walk in the light as God himself is in the light, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Praise God. And you know that verse reminds us that the God who forgives has people who forgive. Because it says if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, not only does it say the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, but it says if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In other words, not only if we come out into the open is there forgiveness from God, but there is fellowship with one another when we admit our sins, which implies forgiveness of one another when someone repents of their sins. You are not a pariah or an unforgivable person or a person who can never set foot in Christ's church again if you sin even in these egregious Ways. Yes, there will be consequences. Yes, there will be serious boundaries in your life, maybe for the rest of your life. But if you come out into the open, you have fellowship with God's people. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses you from all sin. Hope. Hope for the guilty. But let me close by reminding you. That there is hope not only for the guilty, but hope for the harmed, hope for the abused, hope for the hurting. Jesus is even in this life. Remember Isaiah 61? Jesus is even in this life binding up the brokenhearted. Jesus is even in this life comforting those who mourn and giving them a garland instead of ashes. That's hope giving in and of itself. And Revelation 21, the second to last chapter of the Bible from which we also read already. Revelation 21 reminds us that God is going to complete that healing process in the eternal glory. 
Even now, he is binding up broken hearts, comforting uh, broken, mourning hearts, giving joy to those even in the midst of suffering. And he will complete that when Jesus comes again. God himself, Revelation 21, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. Hope for those who have been abused. Hope for us all who are in Christ. God himself will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain.